0: This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is Melissa Powell. She was an independent consultant for libraries for more than a decade, and now she's an outside sales representative for the Northeast for TLC. She's also the author of Becoming an Independent Information Professional. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from MoMetrics and from listeners just like you. Find out how you can help support the show by going to circulatingideas.com slash support or patreon.com slash circideas. With library budgets constantly shrinking, it's getting harder and harder to provide the resources your library patrons want and need. That's why the folks at Mometrics Test Preparation created the Mometrix eLibrary. Through their e-library portal, Mometrix offers study guides and practice questions for over 1,800 different exams, covering college entrance, graduate school, nursing, medical, teacher certification, civil service, I'm counting this on my fingers, I'm running out of fingers, and many other careers and fields of study. All fully customizable and at a fraction of the cost of printed books. It's like having an entire library of test prep materials all at your fingertips. So, save space save paper, and save money with Mometrix eLibrary. To get a free demo and 10% off your first purchase, visit goelibrary.com and let them know you came from Circulating Ideas by using the promo code PODCAST. That's goelibrary.com, promo code PODCAST. Uh, Melissa, welcome to Circulating Ideas.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Um, I wanted to get started the way I get started. A lot of times is asking how you became a librarian in the first place. What was your path to librarianship?
1: Well, it was more like falling off a cliff. Um, (laughs) I kind of fell into it accidentally Um, because as a kid, I hung out in my local library and I volunteered And then as soon as I was old enough, I became a shelver, which a lot of kids do. But when I went off to college, I worked in the library just because that's what I had my experience in. But I was getting my degree in history and other things and and never considered becoming a librarian. Um, But I ended up not getting into the grad school I wanted to. But the library had already offered me an assistantship. So I was talking to one of the library school professors and kind of explaining my situation. He said, well, why don't you attend library school I'm like huh he says look even if you don't become a librarian it's an excellent companion degree especially if you're going into research so Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. said okay and he sponsored me in and I graduated three years later and that was that I became a librarian (laughs) (laughs) never went back to school for the other degree and (laughs) yay here I am
0: (laughs) and we're going to talk a lot about um, kind of being consulting on the side independently, but can you uh-huh. talk about the work that you've done for libraries and library related vendors? And
1: Yeah, um, actually I started out, I worked as a, I got my degree in children's and youth services, but I never worked in that. I ended up moving out to, from Illinois to Wyoming to become the um, adult services librarian there in Laramie. And then I kind of left librarianship for a little bit. Things were really changing. This was in the early mid nineties and things mm-hmm. were getting really computerized. Right. So then I went down and I moved to Colorado, worked at a bookstore for a while, but still kind of was always a librarian um, at that. Uh, and then I ended up working at uh, a biotech library, which was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed that. Um, and then I worked as the head of technical services for a public library in Colorado. And then I became a consultant um, in Colorado uh, and kind of continued that until I came to Massachusetts, my husband's job, biotech brought him here. And then I started working for a vendor and I'm, I'm still a consultant. I'm a sales consultant for an ILS vendor. Okay. Yeah.
0: What, what kind of initially led you to wanting to be an independent consultant? What, what was appealing about that to you of that, that kind of work?
1: Um, it it was kind of funny. I have been doing this. I've been in libraries since 1980, starting shelving and everything. And as I was moving along, I had experience in so many different ways and so many different places. And things, as like everything else, it kind of happened accidentally for me. Um, this is what happens when you leave doors open. <laughs> and I exactly. needed this. yeah, I needed something that I could kind of control my schedule. I wasn't able to work full time at the time, and I kind of but I still wanted to be working. And I had people asking me well you're not working right now could you do a project for us and so I started doing that for some of the friends in libraries and I realized you know I, I, I like this I, I have enough knowledge I have a product I can offer because um, I mostly did um you know be a cataloger and that sort of thing people needed catalogers and then it just sort of built on that and I really enjoyed it and it was a really great job and ended up being almost more than full-time towards the end um mm-hmm. But, um, you know, 10 years was really good for me, and I learned a lot, and um, who knows, I may be back to it, but like I said, I'm still kind of doing the consulting thing as a librarian for an ILS vendor, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you use a lot of the (laughs) same skills that you learned as a consultant, right? Yes. Um, so then, um, you also wrote a book recently about becoming an independent information professional. Um, before we talk about what's in the book, what led you to want to read to write the book in the first place? What, what did you? Why did you want to use that kind of medium to share your knowledge?
1: Well, what's really funny? Again, it approached me Accidental. just, <laughs> ex- accidentally. Um, it's just funny. I um, the publisher, ABC Cleo. Approached me and said, Hey, we would really love it if you'd write a book. What would you like to write about? And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I started thinking, I thought, you know, there is nothing for somebody wanting to do independent information consulting. And all the consultants were constantly asked, How do I do what you do? You know, or right. how, well, how do I know what to charge? How do I know what to do this? So that I thought, This is perfect. This gives me the opportunity to gather together my favorite consultants and write the book that people really wanted. And the publisher was 100 percent behind it, and there we went.
0: <laughs> right, and you did, and you did it in, in a good way, like that. Of where it's not just you didn't you didn't just say, "Well, I'm going to write the book and I'm going to tell everybody no. how, how to do this." Because I mean, even though you probably could have written a book like that, but then you brought in other people and did it where you edited oh, the book and had different people come in. So
1: there's a reason for that. There, <laughs> I think no, it, because it, consulting is so varied. And as we talk more about the yeah. book, you'll we'll get into that, that I wanted to bring people in that were doing different types of consulting because there is no one type and getting all this different experience. Um, that, that to me was the only way you could, you could do this was getting all those. Cause no one person has had all the experiences that need to be shared.
0: Right. Right. Um, so if somebody said, okay, well I feel like being a library consultant i mean i don't think that's how you'd probably start the process (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but so i i guess a better question would be how do you know when that's what you should do like for your situation like it was you couldn't work a full-time job but you so you kind of were looking at a way to do working how do people kind of realize how do you come to the realization that library consulting might be for you
1: well i think it's really interesting um because people do come at it from different things how do i do what you do Um, And and the first thing I say is to people is like, check in and see where you are in your career. What is it that's driving you? What is it that makes you think, you know what, maybe being a consultant would be my thing. Um, I know a lot of it, you know, part of it was for me not being able to work 40 hours, but it was also I could have gotten a part time job at a library, but it was also, wow, I have learned so much over all these years I think it's time to share with it. I, my whole philosophy of librarianship fit going to different libraries Mm -hmm. and doing this. I had kind of grown beyond just one library for myself. So I think when people are looking at, okay, what is it about my job right now? That's not fulfilling my dream or my passion for my career. And what would, um, is teaching is training is, you know, what is it? And I think people do get to that point in their career. Um, and it's that chance to question and go, oh, maybe it's just a different library. But quite often it's people saying, you know, I would really like to work with different librarians and libraries. And so that's part of what the book is, is kind of going through and doing a little checklist of, okay, do I have the potential for this? Can I do this?
0: Right, because there's a lot to it even even if you have like a subject that you feel like you can share well or certain area of expertise that mm-hmm. you can share with people is the whole thing kit and caboodle is it the whole thing really for you
1: exactly because being an
0: independent person is a lot different than having an employer that you go to and they handle a lot of the stuff that you have to handle as a small business person so
1: Yes. One of the first things that happened when I started working for the vendor was we were talking and I said, oh, okay, well, then I need to do this and such. And they said, no, marketing does that. And I'm like, oh, marketing. <laughs> I don't have to do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> Yeah. And, there is that. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, even things like just insurance and stuff that just the job mm-hmm. gives you and then you're like, oh, wait, exactly. I have to do that myself.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's That was one of the things was we want to make sure people go into this. If this is what they want to do, that they go into it. With a lot of what we didn't have, that was one of the things I said in the um, author's prospectus right. was, what would you tell people, what would you tell yourself if you could give yourself advice back when you were starting? Um, so that was the whole point of the book. <laughs> right. Um,
0: and so and, and that's what the first chapter um, by Liz Bolt and Liz Bischoff is about, is about, kind of is the same conversation we're kind of having now is, is this work really for you?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. There was no... Question that I was going to have that first chapter be Nancy and Liz's consulting. They, they do a, an all-day seminar on how to be a consultant. And one of the first things they do is this checklist of, is this for you? Um, and I remember because I facilitated it a couple of times at ALA pre-conference. And by the way, they are doing it again this year um, mm-hmm. at the ALA um, in D.C., in June, um, I don't have all the details. It'll be up on the um, ASGCLA. They just changed that in ALA. It's no, not ASCLA but ASGLA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they will be doing an all-day pre-conference, and and it and it starts just like my book does. That very first thing, and kind of goes through the same stuff. Um, anyway, they they're you know, had somebody come up at the lunch break and say, "Wow, this was really great." thank you. Now I know I don't want to be a consultant.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that kind of defined it for, I'm like, you know, this is extremely important because people need yeah. to know how, how much of this it, can I do it? Um, and so I, I knew I was going to have to make that the first chapter because they do those wonderful worksheets of, you know, do you have an aptitude for consulting? And it's this huge checklist and, And you're deciding your consulting role and I can do this or learn how or I would really like to do this I don't want to do this at all. I mean just kind of determining. Okay, do I have enough? Do I want to do this and then assembling that service package where you review your own expertise? But you also talk to other people and say so (laughs) What do you see as one of my gifts um, or something that I can do that other people would want and that would that surprises people? I know it surprised me um, I was like, oh, really? Because <laughs> I wasn't going to do anything with cataloging. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, you could teach cataloging. You're so good. I'm like, oh, okay.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you never know what might be. I mean, so if you are thinking about it, it's really great to ask other people. Gee, well, what would you pay me to come in and do? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Well, as you're kind of thinking about these initial things, um, what would you tell people? Like, what, what are some of the bigger challenges that they might have? As a consultant, um, like, uh, what? I mean, I know yeah. there, there's probably a long list but to, to, to <laughs> any kind of work, but, to, but, but particular to this kind of work.
1: I think that, um, well, first of all, especially as librarians, we're, we're majority of us um, work in nonprofits. So mm-hmm. it's understand that you're a small business. You're a small for profit business, hopefully. <laughs> um, and you need to be able to keep afloat financially. Uh, I think that's a huge part. And that's a lot of work. Um, it means, you know, not only bringing in money, but then having the pipeline of potential jobs and you're just constantly working. I, I used to equate it to just constantly looking for applying for jobs while you already have one. You're finishing this job up while you're interviewing and setting the next one up. And it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and you need to be organized. You, you need to be able to work independently, have discipline, um, and I don't want that to scare people though. I, I want people to just <laughs> right. be aware and say, oh, okay, these are things I'm going to really, you know, you could start your business out as slow as you want or as quickly as you want.
2: Right. So, I, <laughs> go, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, so you don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I have to go full time. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, you can start looking at this whole thing and take a year for your business plan and all of that. So, yeah,
0: yeah I think, I think, I, I, think a lot, I think a lot of the library consultants that I, that, that I know, um, don't do it full-time and it's like they they think Mm -hmm. they do in addition to their their regular work too so
1: exactly and i think that's becoming even more common and and uh, with the way things are working i know when i was in library school in the 80s it was like oh a bunch of people will be retiring and then when people were in library school in the 90s oh a bunch of people were retiring well none of them retired none (laughs) of us could retire so we had to start looking at other things to do so supplementing um, with, uh, you know, part-time library job and consulting or something, I think being aware of all the different ways you can be a quote consultant, which is why I called this the, uh, becoming an independent information professional, because, mm-hmm. you know, freelancing as well as consulting and contracting is so many different things you can do.
0: Right. And to, to contrast the challenges, what, 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 what's <laughs> the most po- positive kind of aspects of, of this kind of work that you, that you see?
1: Well, I think – well, for me, it was really meeting people and learning new things. Um, and, you know, I came – as after 10 years, I became uh, even more well-rounded as a librarian because I had business experience from managing a bookstore, which I brought back to libraries, which made a big difference. But now I have even more and I can really look at things um in a different way, a more holistic way. Um, and, and I can also talk to non-librarians mm-hmm. using their vernacular. Right. I, okay, here's the challenges that libraries have. And then they go, oh, okay. Um, so that for me, but I think for a lot of other people, it, it's following that passion. You're doing it because you want to do it and you enjoy doing it. It's it's that um, why I ask people what their passions are because this is something you really want to be doing. I mean, Carson said... One of the quotes from Carson's um, chapter, Carson Block's chapter, is: "Through everyday activities, many of us pursue opportunities to express our passions, and the most fortunate among us can make it our life's work." And that, to me, kind of sums it up. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing what you really enjoy.
0: Yeah, and I was going to get into his chapter next because uh-huh. um, he does talk about um, the the sort of the why of consulting. Because I the the yeah. uh, you know Nancy and Liz had done is this work really for you and then he gets into why are you doing this what, what and he, talk, he talks about value based consulting can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah um Carson and I have known each other for years um he he's a technical you know did all the technical stuff he's a, a he calls himself a english speaking geek and so he can <laughs> kind of translate between it at libraries and and the rest of us in the normal world. And so um, <laughs> we both kind of ended up becoming consultants around the same time. So we discussed this a lot of, you know, we were facing what were the challenges we were facing? And one of them was actually the attitude towards consultants, um, you know, that were, and it's not just in libraries, it's, you know, we're overpaid know it alls, come in, talk a lot, leave, take a big paycheck, and, and don't really make a change, don't do a whole lot. And so we felt it was important that people knew, well, what our values are, that we're doing this for, for them. We, we, we want to help them. We don't want to just, you know, take a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so he came up with the whole term of values-based consulting, not to be um, confused with value-based consulting, which is the whole idea of going in, getting a paycheck and leaving. Mm-hmm. Values-based is you, you, you're there for the client. You don't lose sight of the big picture. Because quite often you'll come in and you're doing your one thing. He's a, you know, he would come in and do the, for new buildings was his thing. And he would, you know, help him with their technology plan for their new building. But he was always aware of everything else that was happening that related to that, right. which is why he's one of the top tech consultants in, in the country, because he was always aware of, however, if we do this, it'll affect this. Or if they do that, it'll affect us. And it, it just was this really wonderful, I'm doing this because I want it to succeed, it had, you know, yeah, I'm going to make some money on it, but my value is I want this library to succeed and be the best. Right. Um. And so you, you it's something you have to remind yourself. And and we used to warn people about that. I mean, just like in any profession, there's bad consultants. Um. <laughs> yeah. And it has, and they're not necessarily malicious. It's just either a lack of understanding or lack of skill, whatever it is. You have to be very careful and make sure that you're hiring. I mean, we've done workshops on that: how to hire a consultant mm-hmm. that you know is going to do the job for you. Um, so that's where that whole values-based consulting and, and ethics—that there is, a, there are ethics for consultants that um, were put down by the um, by ALA, by our subgroup in ALA, because it's very important to be an ethical consultant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have that as, a, as an appendix in the book. You have the code of ethics from. Yes. Oh, you just said that they've changed the acronym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I assume the code ASCLA. of ethics is the same still. But but it's but it's it a spe- but, it, but it's specifically for consultants. So it's not just like that whole Ascle yeah. group, uh, Ascle group. Yeah. It's it's but it's just for consultants. This is a code well, of ethics, and that that
1: I think that's really important to have. Yeah, is because there is a library consultants interest group as part of that um, that you can join and it's other library consultants. And we're part of that group because it's sort of the catch-all group of all of the librarians that don't fit everywhere
2: else,
1: <laughs> you know, government librarians and right. cooperative libraries and everything. So, yeah, the, it's very important, I think, that people are aware of the code of ethics of, you know, we want to make sure each other – we check each other too and say, hey, you know, you're making it bad for the rest of us if you do that
2: yeah
0: and I imagine that interest group is good for you all because as great the great positives of consulting and independent independent work is is great, but it's also independent, so you're kind of by yourself, so this gives you yeah. a chance of you all to get together and be share ideas and
1: well, and I think too, when you asked about the positive aspects to consulting, one of the things that is very positive are the other consultants we do work together, mm-hmm. we do know each other, we cross paths we partner we i mean that's you know. Like somebody will be doing a project and go, oh, well, bring her in because she knows the cataloging aspects or bring him in because he knows the technology aspects or, you know. So so it's independent, but we do communicate with each other mm-hmm. and, and, and become friends and colleagues.
0: Yeah, well, well, like you said, because like if somebody came to you and said, hey, can you help me set up a technology plan for my new building? You'd say, yeah. no, but I know Carson. <laughs> he can yeah, do that exactly, for you.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and, um, it's funny that the the Pat Wagner does the next chapter and she really covers, I think the real, I I think, I I think I put in our notes, the nitty gritty of kind of the life of a consultant, how, how it really think about this stuff. This is how it's different from being independent, from being employed. And Pat is actually the one person in your book that I've actually had at my library. So I've worked with Pat a a few times. She's come to consult at my library and I've gone to webinars and stuff of hers, but, um, and I've kind of know a couple of people online on your group, but she's the only one that I've actually personally worked with. And then she's great. I love her.
1: Oh, she's amazing. She's using she my mentor. Um, okay. Pat again, I met her coming to one of my libraries doing this incredible workshop, very practical, very down to earth. Mm-hmm. So when I thought about doing this, um, she was an incredible resource and she was willing to answer all my questions about how to charge, how to market, how to do this, who to avoid, what to avoid, that kind of thing. Um, and so I thought, okay, she has to write a chapter. The problem with Pat writing a chapter is she almost wrote a book
2: <laughs> because
1: she has so much experience. I said, look, I want you to just tell it like it is, but I also want you to be able to say, here are the pitfalls. And here are the ways to, you know, deal with those and, and how to prevent ending up in some of the situations she's <laughs> ended up with her stories. I mean, seriously, she could write a book. I wish she would. But... Um. I think one of the important things that Pat talks about is is just being aware of the culture, um, the habitat, the habitat of your potential client mm-hmm. because it's, you know, that harsh reality of not getting a regular paycheck, getting into jobs that don't turn out to be what they were presented to be. I think that's a huge one and then jumping through all the bureaucratic hoops to get paid. I worked for one state that actually wouldn't pay you until after you had performed the service, and it mm. was three months after, and I had to do a lot of layout of cash before that. Yeah, and I went okay, put that on my list. Um, but then also she she's because she's a real fun dreamer, big thinker, and all that, but she's also extremely practical. Because you know, she, one of the things she said to me was, you know, the idea of going to a, a three day seminar in another state sounds fun, fabulous, an incredible opportunity. However, once you go through how much the flight and hotel is, mm-hmm. the time for travel, we always forget our time. We always forget to bill for our time. right? And the paperwork to become an approved vendor. You don't think about that. Um, and all the prep and supplies you got to look at and go, okay, how much am I actually making? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean don't do it. It just means right. to be aware. And and the nice thing about consulting is I have taken some jobs where it's like eh, that's a lot of work and not necessarily exactly what I want to do but it's a really good paycheck to help me do these other things I really want to do for the people who can't really afford to pay the mm-hmm, big mm-hmm, money, but mm-hmm. really need it. Cause I, I love working with rural librarians, mm-hmm. small libraries, that kind of thing. So it kind of helped me, you know, balance it out so I could offer my services at a discount to some people because other people were able to pay for like my cataloging project or whatever, you right, know, something right. bigger. So,
0: well, I imagine sometimes you might take a job too because it's 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 good for you, kind of strategically almost. Of you're meeting this this person, and they'll help you. Inter- it's a good experience for you to say, "Now I've done a I've done a I've done a consulting job on this subject. Now I yes. can add that to my list of things that I do consulting work on." And
1: well, and that's one thing I always tell people to roll into the fact. Like I did do, there was a very small library near me that I had been an interim director for, and I did a few things for them for free, and. On the condition they would write a nice little review that I could use mm-hmm. in my advertising, so I got paid, but not monetarily. It was almost a trade. Worked for them, worked for me, and it really helped boost that part of my career as a consultant. So, yeah, those are things to consider. Is it you know how much did I really make? Well, the benefit was more than just financial. Right. So there's that to consider as well. But then I also have to still put food on my table. So <laughs> <laughs> Right. And,
0: and, and, that, and that's kind of what the next set of chapters is, is about, is that there are legal, financial and legal obligations. I mean, obviously, this is the, I mean, it's a job you love, but it's a job and you have a mortgage and you have bills and you yes. have all these things to do. Um, so the first chapter I want to talk about is Denise Shockley's, um, where she talks a lot about financial and legal obligations. Um, what are some of the issues that people need to be thinking through about that?
1: Well, I, I think the most common question we get is first, um, what do I charge? And second, how do I deal with all, you know, getting paid and all of that financial stuff? Because, again, as librarians, that's not something we study. Mm-hmm. Now, Denise, on the other hand, happens to not only be a librarian and a consultant, but she's a CPA. So it's sort of like I found this unicorn <laughs> and I grabbed her and I said, write this chapter for us. So since right. she's, you know, with that background in in, in accounting. She was able to really kind of go through with a librarian's mind and say, okay, you need to write a business plan. You need to figure out what your business structure is. And she was so, her chapter is probably one of my favorites in the fact that it's very um, methodical, not boring, short, sweet, lots of information. Easily people can look at it and go, oh, hey, that's what that corporation is. Great. I want to do that or I don't want to do that. Um, And then she talks about taxes, Mm -hmm. you know, based on what entity you decide to be. This is like with the taxes, you know, how you file your taxes. Here's, you know, get some bookkeeping software. I mean, this is a place where I usually recommend people do contact their small business administration in their town because I took a QuickBooks seminar very cheaply because you'll see them online. They're like thousands of dollars. I took one for $50 through my small business administration. And I, you know, learned how to use QuickBooks for my business. So. Hmm. I take advantage of your library, your business library, and your um, local small business administration to help you through a lot of that. Um, and then one thing that Denise mentioned that I don't – she did mention, you know, bank accounts and things like that, but we also talked about the fact that a lot of times your bank will help you with that. You're going to open a business account and you say to them, hey, I'm new at this. What should I do? And they'll be very helpful with that. Um, so – yeah, because right, because
0: that... I mean, the bank wants you to succeed with your money because yes. <laughs> they, they make money when you make money. So.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, well, the, the next chapter with Melissa Stockton and Emily Clasper both kind of talk about in, in different ways, but talk about how to manage your workflow and how to yeah. figure out how much work to take on, how much to charge, things like that. Um, talk, can you talk about how that's obviously that's important, but how that's how that how to, how to work with that?
1: Yeah, um, one of the reasons I asked Melissa, Melissa is one of the partners in the Kipu Group, which is an incredibly successful um, library software, small library software company. And so she is so experienced with how to find the work, how to answer bids, how to do all of this. And so I said to her, you know, what are the most important things that we need to understand? And so she goes through how we need, how we can find work. Because a lot of it is libraries will put out a a request, an RFP, a request for purchase or or quote, and you need to know how to answer those. You need to know how to find them and how to answer them. Um, And even if they don't put out a formal one, they'll want you to apply in some way and being able to understand here's exactly what the kind of information I need to include um, to make sure I'm covered um, and a little bit about contracts and things like that. And then... um, she talks so much about how to fill your pipeline. The pipeline is something I didn't even know about till I was working for a biotech. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing is you what's in your pipeline? That's how you get investors. Um, so you always need your pipeline is all that work that's waiting for you that your next job is going to be. And I had mentioned it earlier that as you're working on something, you should have a couple more things down the road that are either potentials or definite jobs. And so, you know, filling that pipeline and keeping those jobs without being overwhelmed and not overlapping, but then what to do when it does overlap, because that will happen. You'll have it perfect. You know, okay, this deadline will be over and I can do this and then this deadline. Well, something happens with the first job and the deadline gets pushed forward and suddenly I'm doing everything at once. How to talk to your client about that and say, you know, I really, we said it had to be done here. We'll have to make other arrangements. You make sure that's in your contractor or whatever they provide or you provide And and just thinking about all those little things because you could only do so much and you should not, for your reputation, you should not be taking on more than you can handle or letting the client dictate to you more than you promised or more that you contracted to because that will happen as well. And so that's why Melissa also talks about how to, quote, fire a client. Right. <laughs> um, there, there are situations where, and I've had them, um, where it's sort of like, no, uh-uh, I've done, you know, it, it, this is going to be more than we had talked about. It's not going to work. You need to get more organized, or what. you you say it nicely, but you you know, it's like or not, depending on the client. <laughs> right. you need, I, I think this needs to be postponed, and you need to come. We need to come back to this later, or somebody else. I mean, there are a few blacklists out there of people that's just like no. You know, for whatever reason, because of the bureaucracy of the town, the state, whatever it is, yeah. You just really want to be careful of those because this is your living. This is, you know, how you get paid.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Now let's go through and name everybody on that blacklist, but (laughs) no.
1: (laughs) But it changes too because administrations change, laws change, you name it. (laughs) So. <laughs> right, right, cause you, right, because it
0: could be one library director that you particularly don't like, and then they're gone, and then the libraries that somebody you, you that's exactly. better the better work or kind of a
1: town yeah. administrator or whatever right. it is that that keeps that project from being what it could be or should be.
0: Right, or they may change the rules of they don't wait three months to pay you, and
1: yes. <laughs> that would be really nice. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and the, can you talk a little bit about how um, Emily approaches project ah. management?
1: Now, Emily is um, I, lo- I love Emily, but she. <laughs> Emily's awesome. Um anyway, she actually is a certified project manager. Mm-hmm. She went and got all the certifications and so when we were chatting, um cuz I said, you know, I do I do project management, I'm not certified. Um, but I would love to include this in the book and this is she said, "Well, why?" And I told her why. I said because our entire job is project management, even if we don't do it for clients, we're doing it for ourselves. Mhm so you need to under you know you don't necessarily need to be certified but you need to understand the basics of managing projects so she was willing to just go through and give the basics of how to put together a you know a project and the different philosophies behind project management and even within when you're working Um, With a library, you're you're working as part of a team and people are certain people could be doing certain things along with you and understanding how to kind of place those in within the project structure is is key. So I just really wanted to make sure I included that very well, I try to be as practical as possible in the book anyway, but something really super practical that would be something people could sit there and go, okay, great. I have this skill now that I can build on, but at least I've got the basic skill and And it gives you
0: some structure kind of to work off of
1: exactly exactly because the book itself the way i I don't know if you noticed but the way i wrote is i tried to do it as a beginning to end thought Mm -hmm. exercise that it starts with you should i be one and then it goes through everything and then he gets into the really practical and then the, here now i'm going to do it <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's good i think because yeah because you, you go through that process but then it's also a good tool that if you decide yes i do you can go back and look through the three things again and say and remind exactly. yourself of why you should do this and what you should do especially i know all that the, the, the denise's financial yeah. legal stuff like which corporation am yeah. i supposed to be again and yeah
1: exactly and well and that's why. What- <laughs> I wanted it to be something that, it, you know, because books get outdated so quickly. So I tried to make it so that it was just a nice jumping off point because the beauty of writing for librarians is we're all learners and we all know how to do research. Right. So this is like a, oh, okay, yeah, now I'll go further with it. But this reminds me of where to go further with it or how to go further with it. So.
0: Well, and then the last couple of chapters, I, I think kind of have a common thing is, which is kind of how, what kind of culture you're going to have and. Mm-hmm. um, Jamie and Tynan's chapter is about company culture and then Crystal's chapter then is more about marketing and branding so it's who are you to yourself and then who are you presenting yourself as.
1: Exactly exactly Um, Jamie and Tynan have two very successful well now three um, successful companies Um, they're not doing as much in libraries as they used to but like Commerce Kitchen worked a lot with libraries and so I was like you know they're they're So experienced starting a business, just a couple people, and then building it into these incredible businesses with lots of employees and being – but yet still being consultants. So she's – her thing was the culture. And I said, well, don't forget a lot of people are sole proprietors. What do you you think culture has – why would I need to know about culture? She says, well, you're going to be working in other cultures as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So you're going to create your company culture even as an individual – there are certain things I do certain things I don't do like the whole values based consulting. Here's why I do what I do. I'm, you know, so you know what to expect. Same thing with the cultures you go into. And, and like I said with Melissa and sometimes you have to fire a consultant or say no to a client. It, it she defines these different cultures and i think a lot of librarians will recognize a lot of those cultures and so it gives you kind of an idea of okay here's how i'm coming into this and so this is different so i'll approach it this way or this way um it doesn't mean you don't work with them it's just you need to work with them differently um as pat talked about understanding the your your client's habitat it's part of that just kind of Having your eyes open because everything is different. Every library is different. If you're coming from a public library background and you're going in to talk to a government library or a a for-profit, you know, like a biotech library, they're completely different things. You can't say the same things to these, you know so understanding culture from both sides the culture you're bringing in and the culture that you're going into
0: yeah and, and, and i feel like i feel like you mentioned um in the, of the that you're even a sole proprietorship i feel like your company even if it's all you your company is not you <laughs> so it's kind of like you have yeah. to have a separate identity kind of it's like your who you are is not who your that's actually is.
1: a really good point um so for the revised edition Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> um no um that's a really good point because in addition because when i've done this i've actually subcontracted too so these people are also representing my company so i need to make sure that they understand what the company values and company culture are you know because they're going to be doing jobs with me as part of my company um so there's that aspect as well um but yeah definitely keeping it separate because there is that it work-life balance is huge i know that carson he doesn't talk about as much in the book but in his personal life he's talked about that because the first couple years he was just on the road and he has a family and it was rough and so learning that work-life balance because when you're working on your own it's in your house yeah you do it all day all night or travel so yeah it's something to think about
0: and then, on and then, if we want to talk a little more about Crystal's chapter about marketing and branding, oh.
1: yeah, Crystal's a genius at this. Um, and this was she. As soon as she found out I was writing the book, I want to write about marketing and branding. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Because um, I think it's it's extremely important, and you can't. And the thing is, you can't do that until you understand your company, who you are, what you want to do, um, who your Clients are going to be. Um, And I think Crystal does a brilliant job of talking about all the different things to think about in marketing. It's just not starting a web page or a a Facebook page or something like that. And it's also deciding, well, who are my clients? Is it better to market through email? Is it better to market through social media? Is it better to market in person? Um, But by creating I know a lot of people get obsessed with logos. I did. It was crazy. Um, but I had a neighbor who's a graphic designer, so she did it for me. And that's the other thing. Don't hesitate to hire somebody to do something for you because, and I believe crystal does talk about that because you're going to wait, you may waste a lot of time doing it and not doing it as well than just paying somebody a few hundred dollars and ending up with an incredible branding marketing package. Um, because you really have to think about your time as well. But, you know, going through and defining your brand, which is not your logo. Your brand is very different. And then designing a logo if you want, coming up with your company name if you want it to be something other than, you know, Melissa Powell Consulting or whatever. (laughs) And um, it's just, you know, and understanding all that. So even if you do hire somebody else to do it, you understand what you want. No, I don't need that, the the people I'm working with, that's not going to appeal to them. This is what I need. So and I think that's kind of the fun part too. Um and and the only drawback I found was by doing social media, you really have to make sure you keep up with it. Right. <laughs> if you're not posting, people are not going to follow you anymore. So in deciding which you want to be and, and, you know, do you want to even bother with Twitter or is that where you're going to get your most customers? So I, f- I think it's probably one of the more fun and harder parts of owning your own business. But we we're very fortunate to have Crystal who really knew what she was doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So
0: then uh, we'll wrap up here with how you wrap up the book. Cause as you said, it's kind of the whole book is kind of a journey and your epilogue that you wrote is kind of, okay. So you've said, yes, you want to be a consultant. Here's what you need to know to get started. What are the, some of the things that you recommend?
1: Well, um, one of the first things I do is uh, find a mentor, talk to somebody who is doing what you want to do um, and is successful at it. And, and just kind of, learn from them and ask them questions and I think anything finding a mentor is the best thing to do Um, take a look at things I talk about in here is like you know certifications people get very obsessed with that you don't have to have a certification like I said I did project management without the certification but I was doing it on a level that I could do Mm -hmm. proficiently however there were jobs I turned down because I didn't have the certification and had not gone through and did not have the proficiency for that level. So if you find yourself in that situation, then you're like, "Mm, okay, maybe I better go get the certifications. And there's a variety of different certifications to look at depending on who you're working with and what you're doing. Um, I talk a lot about presentation techniques. Um, These are all things you're gonna have to think about even if you're not doing workshops. You're going to be presenting yourself um, to potential clients. And then also once you come in to do whatever it is you're gonna be doing, you're going to be presenting and talking. And then I just end again as I began with, you know, what's your passion? Just really make sure you tap into that every time things start to get frustrating. Why are you doing this? What's the real reason? What's a project that you really want to do or something you have done that just really spurred you on to keep doing this? Um, And as you become a consultant, as you're doing it, I always hang on. I would always write down like my best job and I would go back to that and go, yeah, that's why I do this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the, the subtitle of the book is "How to Freelance, Consult, and Contract for Fun and Profits." Like, like you said, <laughs> yeah. I mean you can't. I mean you, you obviously want to make money off of it, but you, you can't just. You're not going to put you yourself to into this it, for not. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. You want it. the whole reason to do this is because we all should be working because we enjoy it. It doesn't always work that way. Um, can't always work that way. But by choosing to be your own boss, I think you should. You know, be a good boss. <laughs> Let yourself have some
2: fun. <laughs> right.
0: <in> a Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you're going to be your own boss, you better have a, have a good one. Exactly. <laughs> um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you to find out more about this or anything else, how would they get in touch with you?
1: Well, okay. Um, they could get in touch with me actually through my um, Facebook page for the book, which is Becoming an Independent. I'm trying to think of the address, but it's just put in Becoming an Independent Information Professional on Facebook and it pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, my email address um, is thelibrarygirl <laughs> at net. <comcast.net. laughs> All
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. And um, I hope you have a great day and great consulting in the future.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> Circulating Ideas is produced by Steve Thomas in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place or work or the place of work of guests past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at Circ Ideas, or like the show's Facebook page. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thanks for listening and keep circulating your ideas. Thanks again to Mometrix Test Preparation for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. To get 10% off your first purchase and a free demo, visit goelibrary.com and use that promo code podcast. That's goelibrary.com promo code podcast.